Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 94 of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And it's winter in Connecticut, so we both have kind of like the requisite scratchy throat sound. So, (laughs) yeah, that's how it's going to go today. Yeah, it finally got cold. We had a day in the 60s this last weekend, which was a bit crazy. But today it's cold and windy and wonderfully winter again. And we're expecting snow tomorrow, which makes Chris very happy. She's doing a happy dance. You guys can't see it, but I can. (laughs) So before we get started, Chris wanted to talk about... um, A little um, bit of bookish news. Um, We had, unfortunately, there was a death in the writing community. Elizabeth Wurzel passed away at 52 from breast cancer. She is the author of Prozac Nation, Young and Depressed in America, which was a huge seller. And the obituary that I read talked about how her writing really helped introduce a, quote, unsparing style of confessional writing. We've talked about memoir in the past and how it's changed and grown and gone in different directions over the decades. And Elizabeth's writing certainly sparked a new path. Right. And she was in her early to mid-20s when she wrote that. So that was in the 90s, you know, so it really did, I think set a tone for a lot of the memoir that we and our listeners have probably read since that time. Yeah, you know, especially regarding women's and young women's lives. Mm -hmm. And health, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I didn't read Prozac Nation. It's one that I know has impacted a lot of people's lives. I didn't read it either. But after reading, her obituary was wonderful. And um, maybe I'll link to the one in the New York Times so folks can read about it and just learn a little bit more about her. She wrote other books as well, but that was her first endeavor. And then we have a little bit more book award drama. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Keeps coming up. Yes. And every every genre, every country seems to be having their challenges with awards. And this time around, it's the Romance Writers of America. They've canceled their awards for 2020, and they'll be doing a joint award in the coming years that would cover 2019 and Mm -hmm. 2020, I believe. So they had a mass resignation of board members and the controversy is really stemming over diversity and inclusion issues. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's kind of a good thing that things get stirred up and there's some sort of a drastic consequence like Mm -hmm. no awards. And then hopefully they'll settle back down and, solve some of the problems at hand. Right. Yeah. And this is a this is just a general statement about literary awards in general. I think for a while a lot of them were just kind of like ho hum, mm-hmm. another award, oh the award season. And I think all of these boards having to really rethink what their intention is and what their standards are. Like you said, it's a really good thing. Yeah. yeah. In the long run, as painful as it can be now. Right. So I can't count the number of episodes in my head. It's too early in the morning. But at some point next year, we'll revisit this and see (laughs) see what the romance novel awards look like in 2021. (laughs) Seems too early to say that date out loud. I know. I still can't even wrap my head around 2020. It it still just seems like science fiction to me. Yeah, I agree. And I had one little thing I wanted to talk about. I noticed as I was gathering my notes for recording today that I've done so much e-reading over the last few weeks, which is unusual for me. I usually do a combination. And I was thinking about e-book etiquette a little bit because I realized, shame on me, that I wasn't returning my books when I was done. And, you know, when you read a book from the library that you get, you know, a hard cover or a paperback, you have a tendency to say, oh, I'm finished with this. I'll put it on my errand schedule to, you know, 
return it mm-hmm. so someone else can read it. We talk a lot about how you might be in the middle of an ebook and then it disappears because it's due back. But we don't talk about when you finish it and you still have two weeks on your loan from the library. So I've tried to get a lot better about going in and hitting that return button so someone else gets a chance. That's great. Yeah, that's a great idea to do that. Yeah, share share the joy. Exactly. <laughs> Reader etiquette. It's very important. Yeah, because some of the books, you know, I've been on hold for months for them. And so I know other people are in line behind me. So mm-hmm. I want to try to remember to do that. So what are you currently reading, Chris? Epic Solitude, which I mentioned last episode. That's by Catherine Keith. Um, she's a, a dog musher, outdoor adventurers, and this is a memoir about her going and embracing Alaska in the far north. So I had to put it down for a little bit. I picked it up again, and I'm about halfway through right now and really enjoying it. Maybe tomorrow if we get that snowy day, you can just hunker down. It seems like the perfect read on a snowy day. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that one, it comes out in February, February 2nd. No, February 4th, that okay. one comes out. So I have an arc through NetGalley. And then I'm also listening to an audiobook. I'm re-listening to an audiobook for the first time. I've never done that before. But I needed something that was a bit comforting and that I would uh, enjoy. And you know how you go to a reread a book for that reason. I thought, well, let me do that with an audiobook while I'm driving around town because I really don't want to hear the news. Right. There's no good news going on yeah. at this point. So I am re-listening to Michelle Obama's Becoming. That's fantastic. I loved that. I listened to that also and just loved it. Yeah. I love her voice. I love her attitude. It's wonderful. So I feel like I'm driving around in my car with old friend. Right. (laughs) You know, I, I may not be right about this, but I thought I read something that said it was the number one selling book in 2019. I think it was. Okay. I think so. Kudos to Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really good just the second time around which I never really thought about with an audio book. But, you know, with rereading books, I enjoy that so much when it's a book you love because, you know, the first time around you're reading it to obviously get the story. Right. What happens. And then the second time around, you can really just kind of relax and and pick up so many more details. And it's kind of like this with this audio book. Yeah. And I know for me, sometimes, you know, when I'm especially if I'm listening to an audio, not in the car, but in the house while I'm cooking dinner or something that sometimes I'll walk out of the room real quick to do something and come back in. And sometimes I push pause, sometimes I don't. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine there might be a few things you missed too that you're hearing for the first time, which would be kind of fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What you reading? I am reading Recipe for a Perfect Wife by Karma Brown. (laughs) I kind of am having a love-hate relationship with this book because it's told from two different points of view. It goes back in time from 2018 to the 1950s. And it's about the main character is a young woman, Alice, and her husband who move out of New York City into the Burbs. She leaves her job. And now she and she was, you know, in, in the in advertising publicity field. And now she's, you know, in a house making house, so to speak, her plan is to write a novel and have a baby. And she's having some issues with that plan, but then discovers these old cookbooks from the prior occupant, it was the sort of situation where they bought this house with everything in it. Mm -hmm. So someone had passed away. And she finds these old cookbooks downstairs. And so she starts cooking. But you know, the 1950s had a very specific 
form of recipe that was all about kind of like pleasing the husband and pleasing the family and opening cans. And, you know, it was this odd time because there were stay at home wives and mothers, but they were also making food like convenient foods, mm-hmm. you know, like I think TV dinners started then and things like that. So the food, some of the food is completely disgusting that she talks about. Like they did a lot of things with jellied food. Yeah. You know, like ham and gelatin to me don't go well together. I but. know. Aspics, right? Is yes. that what they're called? Ugh. And then it goes back in time to this young, also newly married woman who's in an abusive relationship. So there's domestic violence who was the, um, lived in the house in the 50s, the same house. So one of the characters is obviously the house. And then there's this back and forth. But the whole in each chapter starts with a quote from either good housekeeping or better homes and gardens. That's all about pleasing your man, you know, mm-hmm. like be sure to put your lipstick on before your husband comes home and you hand him his old fashioned and a slice of aspic. You know, <laughs> <laughs> So I'm reading it because I want to see what happens. But part of it's just like, Oh, I'm so glad I didn't live in the 50s. Yeah. Which maybe is the point. But <laughs> And then I too am listening to an audiobook, Say Nothing, A True Story of Murder and Memory in Northern Ireland by Patrick Radden Keefe. This is a nonfiction book based on the true story of Jean McConville, who was a 38-year-old mother of 10 children. Yikes who was pulled from her home and disappeared in Northern Ireland during the days of what they used to call the Troubles, I think, right? Like with the IRA and all the fighting between the North Mm -hmm. and the South and the Protestants and the Catholics. And the narrator has a fantastic Irish brogue, which I'm really enjoying. (laughs) I cannot listen to it on anything but regular speed, though. I tried when I first started and I was like, that is not going to happen. Yeah. So I'm just a few chapters in, but this is a book that was on a lot of best ofs last year. I think it was in the New York Times 10 best books. And when I first read the review in the Times a a while ago, I had put it on my want to read list. So I'm glad to be getting to that. And then I also have a book, as some people know, I I had a milestone between episode 93 and 94. I got a a year older, (laughs) apparently. And One Brave Soul gave me a book for my birthday, and that was my sister. Thank you, Trisha. And she gave me a book called The Truth About Magic, which is a book of poetry by Atticus. And this is a book that our mystery man, John Valerie, talked about on episode 86. Okay. So if you want to go back to that episode and hear him talk more at length about it, I've just cracked the binding, so I don't know a whole lot. I think he is one of those poets who kind of started to develop a following on Instagram and then got such a large following that his, you know, he took a lot of his poems and turned them into a book. That's great. So. Yeah, I, I remember John talking about him. I think it, it, there was an Instagram connection. Yeah, right yeah. What did you just read? I finished Shadows on the Rock by Willa Cather. We had Willa Cather book group yesterday at the Wood Memorial Library and Museum up in South Windsor. It was my second time reading this novel, so it's not one of the Cather novels I'm super familiar with. And I didn't really remember a lot of the details at all, so it was very much like reading a brand new novel, and I loved it the second time around. I think the first time, as I said earlier, you know, the first time you're just reading for the plot and the characters, what happens And this time around, I was really able to enjoy the writing a lot more. 
Kate, our mutual friend who comes up from the Bronx for the book club, was really enamored with the novel's depiction of nature and the changing seasons, which are in, in true Cather fashion all throughout the novel um, in very subtle but beautiful ways. Nice. So I enjoyed it. So it's set in uh, Quebec in, I think it's 1697, early colony days up there with the French um, who colonized Quebec. And it's about a young girl who's 12 at the beginning of the novel and her father, who's the apothecary for the count of the colony and their relationship. And a lot of it is the French culture being implanted in this new environment and kind of what sticks and what doesn't. Interesting. So it's it's yeah. really beautiful. It's If you like to read about Canada, Canadian history, it's very well-researched historical fiction. It came out in 1931. So yes. that was Shadows on the Rock, Willa Gather. I wanted to revisit that when I was talking about Todd Goldberg in episode 93, who's one of the hosts of Literary Disco. I read a short story by him called When They Let Them Bleed. And it's based on a real boxing match between Ray Boom Boom Mancini and Duck Koo Kim, who was a Korean boxer. And the true story is that um, what Todd talks about is that this what he saw this fight when he was a child, it was broadcast live on television. And the Korean boxer actually died. Wow. He took so many blows to the head that he suffered a stroke or a severe concussion or something. And so he weaves in, you know, seeing that and the impact that had on him and his childhood and his family life. And it's a really well done short story. It's it's only 20 pages, but it packs a punch. It no was, pun intended. No ah, pun intended. <laughs> if only I knew when I was saying it. <laughs> this uh, short story was in the Best American Essays 2013, but it's also available on his website. So I'll link to that in the show notes. I haven't read, I've wanted to read Todd Goldberg's work, but he writes a lot about gangsters and things like that. And I just haven't picked up one of his novels. Mm-hmm. So this was a good way to gain access to his work. And also, you know, I think I talked about on episode 93 that I have a goal to read short stories in between novels. So I'm working on that. And then I also think getting this book of poetry that I might try to do that as well. Just insert a little poetry in between, you know, books as well. Mm -hmm. I also just read, I didn't read the whole thing. I, of course, was selfish and zeroed in on my own sign. Um, But it's Astrology for the Soul by Jan Spiller. And this is, it's not your sun sign, it's a moon sign. Oh, yeah. I guess that she goes into, um, they're actually, it's a north node. Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about astrology. I dip into it here and there um, because I think it is an ancient art. And I think it's a good guide just to help you reflect on your life in a different way. Yeah. Um, So my north node is in Taurus. And what she does in this book is, so for each, there's a chart at the beginning, and it's all based on dates to find out what your node is, and then each node has its own chapter. And what I like about what she does is she talks about attributes that you can develop, that you can focus on to help you uncover hidden gifts and talents that you may have. And then on the flip side, she talks about tendencies to leave behind. And I like that way of saying it because she says working to reduce the influence of these tendencies can help make life easier and more enjoyable. 
And I like the way she phrases that as tendencies to leave behind, because I think in so much of, you know, personal growth, self-help, a lot of people talk about, you know, getting over, letting go, replacing new habits. But I, I like this whole thing of tendencies to leave behind. It just seems a little bit more gentle. It does. And like, you know, you leave it behind because it's no longer serving you type of thing. So it seems gentle and attainable, which exactly, is nice. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I like the whole idea of attributes to develop to help you uncover more things about yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting read. I love astrology, and I'm I'm a Capricorn, and I am oh, I am fully believing that I am a Capricorn. Whenever I read stuff, yeah. So right, yeah. I mean, I know sometimes when you read a book like this and you flip around to other people whose signs that you live with or know or mm -hmm. good friends, you think like, oh, I could totally see that in them, or sometimes yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, but really, I mean, I'm a Pisces, and I think I'm firmly a Pisces. Yeah, it's funny how that goes. I'd have to read about Pisces to know. The gentleman caller is a Leo. It's, I'm going to say this out loud. It's terrible. When I found out he was a Leo, which was very early on, I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. Because I have worked for a lot of Leos. They're lovely people. Any of you Leo listeners out there, you're lovely people. <laughs> but... I should probably stop there. <laughs> well, my mom's a Leo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Silence. Double stop. Silence yeah. ensues. No, I mean, it's it's funny because I say that and it's like, it doesn't, I mean, Jim has incredible character traits of a Leo as well. I mean, mm -hmm. Leos are incredibly wonderful, loyal people and things like that. But some of their challenging parts are, you know, <laughs> you have to work with. So... <laughs> Anyway, moving on. I finished The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. Um, I talked about this a little bit in the last episode. It's a Depression-era novel, and it follows five characters who are pack horse librarians in Kentucky. Then the, their family and the men that they love and, um, you know, traumas and dramas that ensue. It's the first book I've ever read where a book is used as a weapon. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Like physically? Like mm -hmm. somebody knocks somebody with it? Yeah. Oh. And do you want to take a gander at what the book is? Wow. <laughs> I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is the Bible, but it can't be that obvious, Ooh, can it? <laughs> that's a good one. No, it's Little Women. Get out! Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Just hilarious. Louisa May Alcott might appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I loved that aspect of the book. I have to admit that this book had a slow start for me. I was thinking because so many people have raved about it. And I was like, I just am having a hard time with it. But then I would say it took me a good 100 pages. And then I was all in and really enjoyed it. And that's oh. well, I'm sorry, no, I'm going to cut you off. You know, I saw Cindy, who is the owner of book clubs on the go. Mm -hmm. And one of her clubs is reading the book Woman of Troublesome Creek by Kim Michelle Richardson. And there's been some controversy with these two novels because they're both about the women librarians on horseback. And there's a lot of similarities mm -hmm. between the two books down to the sentence level. Ooh. So there's a bit of controversy there. I, I hate to be the one always bringing up controversy today, but... No, it makes it yeah. fun and exciting. I have seen some reviews that for this book, which was, again, The Giver of Stars, that said, I much preferred that other one. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
I don't know that now I would pick up that other one right now since I was just in those characters, but it would be maybe a good idea to do it to mm-hmm. see how similar they are. Yeah. Interesting. I know there's an article floating around about that. I'll I'll try and get the link so we could put that yeah. in the show notes. You know, I remember seeing articles floating around about these women. So I would imagine they both, both authors used a lot of the same sources. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I have great admiration, especially now reading this book about what these librarians, how, you know, difficult some of the terrain was that they were traversing on their horses, and that they were reaching people who were really housebound and didn't have access to books and weren't necessarily very well educated and how wonderful it was for them to get these early readers. And then there was also a one of the threads in the story was about reading about sex and understanding sex. And I wonder about that, too, if they, you know, I would think there's some truth to that as well. So just helping people understand the world they live in, mm-hmm. which we all know is one of the wonderful things about books. Absolutely. That's yeah. Always my go to. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to just take a break for one second. And since I mentioned the Little Women thread that We do sometimes have wonderful reviews that people put out there on iTunes or, you know, wherever you listen. We've gotten some on Stitcher and places like that. And there was a a review we got recently from Jody Four, And she said, love the book cougars. Thoroughly enjoy your podcast. I'm a New Englander and I'm enjoying listening to your Biblio adventures. One of these days I'm going to venture out and experience some of them myself, hopefully. My mother named me Joe after Little Women way back in 58. I suppose that set me up to be an avid reader as she was herself. I named my daughter Meg. At any rate, I very much appreciate your spirits and intellect. Thank you for all that you're doing with this podcast. Thank you, Jody. And, you know, since you're in New England, reach out. Maybe we can meet at a Biblio adventure sometime. That'd be super fun. That'd be fun. And, you know, I don't really understand algorithms and all that stuff, but I guess if people leave reviews, it does help other people to find us. So if you have the time and the energy, we'd appreciate it. Yeah. Review us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And it just makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside, too, which is nice. (laughs) It's nice to know people are out there. Yes, that's right. We're not just talking into these microphones to ourselves. So did you read anything else? No, no. I, I had a um a DNF. Oh, really? Yes. Do tell. I was reading The Innocence by Michael Crummy, and he is a an author from Newfoundland. He was a Booktopia author in, I want to say, 2015. And the book that he was at Booktopia with was called Sweetland, which I loved. He's also delicious, if I could just say. <laughs> and there were several of us who were quite enamored of him. Just a really nice man, and the story was really wonderful. This book, The Innocence, I had put on request for an ebook version, and I really was deep in, in Requestville on that. And then when I stepped into the library the other day, there was a hardcover. So I picked it up. I was reading it. It's a brother and sister tale. These kids are kind of left to themselves in on this island in Newfoundland because their parents pass away from the flu or some other illness like that. And it was very dark, very cold. There were about 10 words per page I didn't know, because there's a lot of fish lingo and sailing lingo and things like that. And I just wasn't really loving it. But I loved Sweetland so much, I was determined to keep going. And then our buddy Jenny from Reading MV posted a review of it. And all the 
problems she had with it. And I thought, thanks, Jenny. And I took the book and (laughs) put it back at the library. So other listeners of ours I've seen have really enjoyed it. So I don't know if it was just, I could kind of tell the direction the book was going and I wasn't interested in reading about that Mm -hmm. and, or if it was just a time and a place sort of thing, but yeah, I just couldn't do it. But I highly recommend his other book, Sweetland. I can't say that I recommend The Innocence. Good to know. And then I also finished Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead by Olga Tukerchuk. Nice. Yeah. And I read this one a little bit early because um, I'm. it's also my book club book for this quarter and we're meeting this Sunday. But just to remind people that this is our upcoming read along for the book Cougars. We'll be recording our discussion of it on February 14th. There's a very active Goodreads page going. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm starting it tonight. So, you are? Yeah. I'm really curious how, what you think of it because there's a lot of animal stuff. Okay. So I can't wait to talk to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. I've heard nothing but really good things about it, uh, people liking it, and some people saying, yeah, it's a little weird. It's odd. I also wanted to ask you, do you know anything about William Blake? Not much. Yeah. Why? Okay. What's... Because there's a definite thread of that in there. So I want to do some research. I was counting on my literary co-host to know. (laughs) No, I read a couple poems of his, I'm sure, in the Norton anthology that I carried around forever as an undergrad, I'm imagining, but I don't, I couldn't tell you details. Okay. Well, I have some homework to do then before I talk to my book club on Sunday, but um, I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad we've chosen it. I think it's going to be really fun to talk about. So again, that's Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead, Olga Tukarchuk. And we'll be recording our discussion on February 14th. Nice. I did have a, it's not, I wouldn't exactly call it a DNF. It's, um, I noticed on Goodreads, you have a category or a shelf called Not Now, Maybe Later. Abandoned for Now. Abandoned for Now. Okay. And this book is in that category for me. It's The Murder at the Breakers by Alyssa Maxwell. I started it. I'm really, I was really enjoying it, but I have other books I need to get to first that are kind of time sensitive, you know, like our read along book and then um, a couple other things. So I'm definitely keeping this on my TBR for the spring slash summer. Good. Yeah. And then maybe you can go visit more of them, too, as you read the series, which would be fun. Yeah. Because one of the cool things is, so this is, you know, it's set in the Breakers, the mansion of the Vanderbilts in Newport, Rhode Island, which I had visited some of those mansions and talked about in a past episode. And it's cool to read a story set in a mansion slash historic home like that, where you can picture the characters walking through and it's like I totally know where they're going and what they're looking at from that vantage point so yeah. it's kind of cool in that way like little women you know like you're reading that story and you've if you've been to orchard house or you've looked at orchard house online like you can picture the characters in a, a different way yeah maybe you can go visit a mansion and then read the book you know just make your way through the series that'd be really fun that'd be fun right yeah yeah, yeah. i read one other book called dear edward by Anne Napolitano. And um, trigger warning about this book, if you have a fear of flying, do not read it. The story is, it's a novel, but it's based on Anne's reading the article about a couple different plane crashes. And one of them 
I can't remember where the plane crashed, but it was the story where there was one sole survivor and it was a teenage, a young teenage boy. And so that's what this book is about. There's a plane crash. The boy's on the plane with his entire family. They're moving from New York to LA and he's the only person that survives. And what happens? He goes and lives with his aunt and uncle and just how he keeps living, but his life completely changed. And what she does with the book is she goes back and forth in time with where he is currently and then the day of the plane crash. Mm. Weaves all through those other as he's progressing through his life, which I think is about like a four to six year time span, I want to say. She's just going back to and it's dated or it's time stamped those chapters, you know, like 9am, they're at the airport in line at TSA, you know, and then 1003, they're on the plane getting their drinks or whatever, and weaves in a couple of the other characters on the plane and things like that. I really enjoy her writing. And I thought it was a great book. But I think if you have any fear of flying, it would probably be a bad idea. Okay, good to know. How did you pick that one up? How did you find that one? You know, she wrote another book. And when I when early on in the years where I went to an early booktopia, there were a group of us that started to do a phone call together. And we would read some books together. I don't remember how what the process was of how we chose these books. But one of the books we read was called A Good Hard Look. And it's by her. And one of the characters in that book is um, Flannery O'Connor. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And it, and it's, you know, like a fictionalized account of her life. And I really enjoyed it. It also had a beautiful cover with like peacock leaves or not leaves, feathers. Mm-hmm. Cause Flannery O'Connor lived on a farm where there were a bunch of peacocks that ran around on the farm. So that's how I knew about her. And I mean, it's been quite some time since she had a novel come out. She's also, I want to say, um, and she's an editor for a really well-known press and things like that. So it's not like she's not keeping busy and in the literary world. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. How some books come to you and. Yeah. Well, I saw that she had a new book out and I was so excited. And, um, and then I think I got it from NetGalley, but it is out already. So again, it's called Dear Edward by Anne Napolitano. All right. So Biblio Adventures. Did you go on any? Yes, I went to my couch. (laughs) (laughs) I had two couch biblio adventures. You know, it's winter. So one of them was I started the Modern Love episodes on Amazon Prime. For those of you who don't know, there's a great, I guess it's a personal essay every Sunday in the Times in the style section called Modern Love. I have been addicted to that for, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years. And just recently, someone um, started to take some of the most well-revered essays and actually turn them into these kind of like little short story. What would you call that? I don't know. They're, I mean, I've never seen Episodes, anything like it. Like, yeah. yeah, little episodic somethings. Yeah, but they're not, you know, it's like, it's like picking up a short story collection because they're not, they don't have anything to do with each other. So it's not like... The first episode, then there are characters in the second episode. Mm-hmm. They're completely different. That's cool. How long yeah. are they? They're like 25 minutes or okay. so. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And the first one is one of, it doesn't surprise me that it's one of the first 
that they would the one that they would put first because it's one that people have talked about a lot. And recently they did revisit these essays and they reposted them in the Times, which I thought was interesting to coincide with this coming out on Amazon Prime. And it's the story of a young woman who's living in a building in New York City with a doorman. And the doorman is very um, involved in her dating life. (laughs) So he'll see her coming back home with someone she's been on a date with, and he'll take one look at the man and judge him and be like, no, mm -mm," and go and literally blow the whistle and hail him a cab and like have him go on the way. And then, and these are all true, you know, these are true stories, all the modern love ones. Um, And then eventually she ends up pregnant. And one of the people who becomes the most important person in her life is this doorman. His name is Guzmín. And it's so touching. I mean, I've watched two now and I've cried in both of them. And he ends up being, you know, she's a single mother and he ends up being really involved in helping her with the baby and her, you know, from her pregnancy all the way through to when I think the baby's about four or so, and then she ends up moving to LA. Mm. So it's a really great, if you want something just like, it's just like I said, reading a short story, but in theatrical form, I guess is the best way to say it. Interesting. You know, I listened to one recently, they have a podcast and it was narrated by Mary Chapin Carpenter, the singer songwriter. Oh, how fun. Yeah. About an older couple. I should, I should do that too. I should listen to some because I think, I just think, I mean, some of them you read them sometimes and you're like, I don't want to read about someone's love for their gerbil or something, you know, but you know, whatever to each his own. Um, But some of them you're just like, oh, wow, they're really amazing. So again, that's Modern Love on Amazon Prime. And then I binged, I mean, binged (laughs) this show called Virgin River on Netflix And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, why are you watching this? Next, why are you watching this? It's based on the series by Robin Carr, which I guess was a huge seller. And I couldn't figure out how many books are in the series. It seems infinite. Hmm. But it's, it's about a young woman who leaves LA and heads up north to a very small town and becomes the nurse midwife in this small town and it's incredibly predictable I mean that's part of what I was having fun with is like oh she's going to be pregnant oh she's you know (laughs) like as the story's going along but there was something very comforting about it to me Mm -hmm. and I think it had I was trying to figure it out and it reminded me of when we had our buddy Alyssa on and she was talking about romance Mm -hmm. and how part of why people like to read romance is you're kind of guaranteed at the end that things are going to go well, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I think it was partly that, not that there wasn't drama in it, but it was, you know, like manageable drama Mm -hmm. and predictable drama. And the characters were, you know, comfortable. And it's a small town, which I'm incredibly familiar with because I was born and raised and lived in one for a lot of my life. Yeah. You Uh, You know, I have been hooked on The Good Witch, which is a Hallmark Mm -hmm. Channel series and same thing, right? It's kind of predictable, but it's fun and calming. Yeah, maybe you know? that's it. I don't get calming. agitated before I go to bed or something. <laughs> right. I don't want to see murder and mayhem and all that. So maybe that was part of it. Mm-hmm. And people just having real life feelings, too. I mean, there was drama, but it's, you know, more of the realm of, I don't know, that I can handle, mm-hmm. I guess, is yeah. the best way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, I had a biblio adventure on the couch as well, and then one out in the world. 
I'll start with my couch adventure okay. first. I watched the BBC Netflix Dracula oh, right. series that just came out this month. And I really ended up enjoying it. In the beginning, that first episode, I think we actually even texted. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, I think it's going to be a kind of lame because to me, the special effects seemed a little overdone, and I don't watch contemporary horror that much, at, or I should say at all, because I don't like the gore. Like, yeah. I like the classic monster movies, you know, the Dracula and Frankenstein, black and whites usually, um, or the 70s stuff with Christopher Lee were pretty cool vampire movies. But I stuck with it because I thought, well, I want to see at least this first episode. And so by the end of the first episode, I was like happy to watch the second episode so i binged all three episodes in one night which is a lot of fun yeah and i really you know it's based on bram stoker's dracula the novel from 1897 and which is my favorite book and the book that got me really into reading as a kid so i always am interested in how people take that basic story and shape it and what they choose to focus on and and let go and whatnot so in this story, they really take more time and um, something that other movies don't even really talk about. It might just be a line. But after Jonathan Harker escapes from Dracula's castle, he's in a convent and the nuns are taking care of him. So that first episode of the new series is all set pretty much in Dracula's castle and then in the convent. Mm. And one of my favorite characters who is new to the story is a, a nun who is a non-believer and a bit jaded and she's the one who is sitting across from Jonathan Harker kind of interrogating him on his experience and she's there with another nun and I won't say anything more about them but she is the character that kept me watching that first episode because I really love just how dry and kind of scientific and philosophical and logical she was right. and how she was pursuing the evil of Dracula Ooh, I like yeah. that. The only thing I, I missed was the character of Mina Harker, who in the novel, she's a total kick-ass character. Like, Mina Harker is the one who really gets the team going. But are you, you binged it, so does that mean there's other seasons, or was that it? You know what? I guess, you know, this is the first season, and there will, I guess, be a second season. I haven't really looked into the details or anything, but they're billing it as the first season. And so maybe that character will show up or something in the second season. Do you no. Think? Well, oh. you know what? She could. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, she she was represented in this series, but as a in and out kind of character. So who knows yeah. what? Because, it, I mean, there's some great twists in this story. Uh, I don't really want to say anything yeah. to spoil anything for anyone, but the ending was quite fascinating and it's leaving me wondering what the tension will be in the second season because one of the big tensions in this first season is kind of resolved. Um, but th they bring in some really interesting new ideas about Dracula vampire lore. There's always big arguments in the vampire community about you can't not have that in a dra in a vampire story or you, you know, so people get really nitpicky about that. And I know I was a purist when I was younger, like you, you know, it has to be this, this, that, um, but I've let that go. And as we've talked about with adaptations, it's really interesting to see why creators choose what they do and how they kind of make a new story and why. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So that again is the uh, new BBC Netflix Dracula adaptation streaming now. 
The other Biblio adventure I had was at the New Haven Public Library, the main branch in New Haven. They had a class introduction to their local history room, a session. It was an hour long session. And unfortunately, well, they had a lot of people sign up for it, but I was the only person who showed up that day. No way. Yeah. So I got to oh have my gosh, the librarian's so full attention. Um, yeah. Did you like great. that or did that oh, freak I did. you out? I liked okay. it. You know, but it, I mean, it is always fun to have more people because people will ask questions you haven't thought about. And right. so you tend to learn more, I think, when there's more people around. Um, but she did, a, you know, she she's like, do you want to stick to the script or, you know, whatever? I was like, well, we could do a little bit of both. So she did give me the, the you know, the kind of basic intro and we walked around the local history room and looked at, and you know, they have the book collection and then archival boxes. So we talked about how those things are organized and whatnot. And then we talked about and looked at some online databases that they have. The cool thing was they had this huge like TV video monitor thing. It was ginormous. And it actually had electronic markers that were colored. Hmm. So it was a whiteboard or a video monitor. And the markers actually wrote electronically in whatever color they're hmm. color coded to be, which I'd never seen that before. Mm -mm. Like, obviously, I don't get out much. Right. <laughs> um, but she said the, the tech guy who was there setting things up said they got it recently through a grant. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that yeah. was a really cool thing. But one of the exciting databases we looked at was Ancestry.com which I've looked around on the free version and have found some cool stuff about family members, but the library version has a lot more information on it. It may not be totally the full paid version, but I found stuff about family members that I had mm. never known. Um, I found a picture of my dad that I'd never seen before. It was like, I know his high school senior photo, but this was from his junior year. Wow. So it was really kind of cool to, to see an unknown picture of him. And like I found my mom's immigration records and information about like my great grandparents who couldn't read or write, wow. hmm. you know, really interesting. So if you are interested in ancestry and you can't afford to slash don't want to pay for a membership, check out your local library. They may have a subscription to the library version. Another good use of your library card. Yeah, libraries are really cool. Like there's, for my, at least my Ohio library, there you can access consumer reports and things like that, you yeah. know, which is really nice. So I have endless love for libraries. Yeah, they are amazing. Yes. So thank you to the New Haven Public Library for having that, um, yeah. that event, because I definitely got a lot out of it and plan to go back. I love digging through archives, too. It's just kind of fun to pick around on, on something like one of the books I looked on the shelf was like the New Haven annual report from I think it was 1931 or 29 29 because that was the year Willa Cather got an honorary degree from Yale oh, so wow. I was just kind of looking I had no idea what the annual report would contain but they had a list of deaths like every disease that they tracked oh, and then they broke it down by male female and it was fascinating to look at that, how many people died from different diseases or suicide or accidents, car accidents, things like that. Oh. Yeah, fun times. Kind of gory there, Chris. I know, but <laughs> <laughs> it is It's interesting. And then sometime in the late 30s, they just got super small, these volumes. So I don't know if 
transparency went away or if they were documenting things elsewhere mm-hmm. or if it was the de- while well, the depression was already in full s- well yeah that was a bad time 39 so yeah yeah hmm. cool. interesting stuff but yeah. yeah so that and i should just say too that that local history room at the new haven public library has kind of limited hours it's not open the full time that the main library is open so if you're interested in checking it out call and find out the hours yeah that's good upcoming johns we have a couple we fun have things coming up joint this week johns. we're going to be spending some time together next week i'm so excited we haven't done this in a while just a week where we have a lot of dates yeah so january 21st we're going to go see author matthew goodman at the jcc of new haven he has a new book out that's getting a lot of great press called the city game triumph scandal and a legendary basketball team He's a New Yorker, and um, this is a book about um, a game at City College back in the 50s, I think. We're also going to have Matthew recording with us, which I'm really excited about. He has written several books, including a cookbook that I own, so I can't wait to have a cookbook author with me that I can ask a bunch of questions on. And he'll be here in studio, and we do want to say that we know that the sound quality of our author interviews is challenging lately especially because we have these wonderful new microphones that have really upped our sound quality and we usually do our author interviews on skype and we're just really struggling with the sound quality of those so we're aware of that and we're working on effects but matthew will be here in the book cougar studio recording with us Yes, and thank you to our donors. We were able to purchase another microphone. So we're going to have three microphones going uh, next week, which is going to be really exciting. And then, like Chris said, we're going to work on, before we have another author interview, figuring out how we can make our sound a little better for those. Because we want to keep doing them. Mm -hmm. They're really fun for us, and we like to share them with you. Absolutely. Well, the thing is, too, that we like to do them on Skype because we like to have the face-to-face experience with other people and that is one thing we might just have to drop and go to telephone or something like that right yeah more to come on that and what else do we have scheduled well we've talked about janine cummins yeah american dirt yeah she'll She'll be at rj julia in madison next week yeah well and i have book club my tilton street book club coming up i'll talk about in our upcoming reads segment great very well should we move on to upcoming reads yeah sure well, I'll be starting Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead tonight is my plan. I am also supposed to be reading Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe for book club. I've read it twice before in pretty recent years, so I think I'm just going to kind of review it a bit. Um, but we're also reading for book club Harriet Beecher Stowe, A Life by Joan D. Hendrick, a biography that is still considered the definitive biography of Stowe. Um, I checked in with the Harriet Beecher Stowe Society just to make sure because there are a variety. So I will be reading that. And that's a book that I had for years that I never really read the whole thing. And it didn't make it through one of the moves. So I did purchase a used copy. I found one online that turned out to be a library book. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Let me see. Where did this one come? It actually came from the Providence Public Library. It was a discarded book by them. I hope it was a yeah. Well, you know, I'm hoping it was a discarded book because <laughs> uh, when I worked at a library and I was in, you know, I called books, I had to stamp them as discarded. Uh, 
Yeah, um, I mean, I never thought that people could take books and then... Uh, yeah, this yeah. one doesn't have a discard stamp on it, I just realized. So maybe I should check with um, the library. It's from the Rochambeau branch. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So I will be reading that. And the cool thing about Harriet Beecher Stowe is that she is a Connecticut writer, but she did for a time live here in Guilford. And oh, I didn't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I pointed out her house to yeah. you. Where, well, it was her uncle's aunt and uncle's house, yeah. which you I would drive past all the time in our old house. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to finally reading this whole thing. That again, that's Harriet Beecher Stowe, A Life by Joan Hendrick. And then I have one more. Yeah, go for it. Upcoming that I hope to read before the next episode. That's why I'm mentioning it now. But it's River by Esther Kinsky. And this is a book that was uh, originally published in German. It's translated by Ian Galbraith. And it's for uh, the Read More German Books in 2020 challenge that I'm doing. And they have a super active Goodreads page if you're interested. I just want to read the description of this book because it sounds really beautiful. And I should back up and say that as part of that challenge, they're doing like a a quarterly read-along of the same book. It seems like a lot of people are on board with doing the, the group read. So this is about the book. A woman moves to a London suburb near the River Leah without knowing quite why or for how long. Over a series of long, solitary walks, she reminisces about the rivers she has encountered during her life, from the Rhine, her childhood river, to the St. Lawrence, and a stream in Tel Aviv. Filled with a poignancy and poetic observation, River is an ode to nature, edgelands, and the transience of all things human. Ooh. I thought that sounds beautiful. Yeah. So after I finish Drive Your Plow, that's my next novel. Lovely. I have Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed oh, up cool. next. I was just yeah. reading about that last night. Yeah, this is the book that Michael Kindness of Books on the Nightstand fame, when we were at Book Expo, said, run as fast as you can and get an arc of this book, and we weren't able to. So I was able to put it on request early, though, you know, from the library, because I knew it was coming out, and I got a copy. So mm. I'm going to start that. And That's then, great. And I, sorry to interrupt no. you, but our friends, um, Russell of Ink and Paper Blog and Ryan just saw her last night in California at an yeah. event. I saw a really cute picture with Russell um, standing next to her and he said her book is fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to starting it and it's getting a lot of great praise. So that's wonderful. And then I'm also um, queued up to read The Red Lotus by Chris Bohalian. He's a Vermont writer that I really like, very prolific. That book doesn't come out till March 17th, but um, get it into your library queues, everyone, or put it on pre-order. And then the other one I'm really excited about, now this does not come out till April, but I still want to tell you about it for a reason. This is called Northernmost, and it's by Peter Guy. And he was a Booktopia author. I met him up in um, Petoskey, Michigan. I got to moderate a session with him. Fantastic writer. And the, the reason I want to tell you about it is because this is actually considered the third book. I do not know how to pronounce this. It's like the Eid family, E-I-D-E family. They're um, from Norway, so I, I don't know my pronunciation very well. But you can start now with him by reading um, The Lighthouse Road, which was the first book and the book that I was um, in discussion with him about. His writing is beautiful. If you have any affinity for water 
or the Great Lakes. I highly recommend his writing. And he's a Minnesota author. So I feel like he's a little bit under the radar for the quality of his writing. Mm-hmm. And then the other, the second book is called, I think, Winter Winterly or something like that. I'll put it in the show notes. So there are two books you can go back and read before you get Northernmost, which is out in April. And again, his name is Peter Guy, and that's spelled G-E-Y-E. Great. You know, and I know we mentioned Booktopia a lot. And for those of you who might be interested in attending, the dates for the upcoming Booktopia are May 1st and 2nd. And you can go to the Northshire Bookstore to find out more information about that as information is released. I know tickets aren't available yet, but... Yeah, and I'll put that in the show notes, at least Northshire. I don't know if there's a link to, you know, kind of uh, be on the alert when they announce it. But we'll also be sure to let you know when the author lineup is announced and when they're selling tickets and all of that. It's a really fun weekend filled with bookish people. And if you travel alone, I have to say that that was one of the greatest gifts of Booktopia for me is I went originally in fall of 2012 to Santa Cruz, California. It was my first Booktopia. I had just launched my second child into the world. He was starting as a freshman in college. My daughter was moving across the country to start a job after graduating from college. And it was my gift to myself, but I was traveling by myself and I was kind of nervous. And you get there and there's a bunch of other people who are either traveling alone or, you know, with a friend, but everyone has something in common, which is they've read all of these similar books. Right. You know? Yeah. It's so much fun. And people are so welcoming there. Yeah. I never ate a meal alone. And it was a really good time. And you can eat meals alone if you want. I don't you want can. you to feel like yeah. you, know, you can't. You can Because I mean, the first time I went, I was alone. And I was a little overwhelmed at one point. I was like, I'm just going to go back to my room and chill. Yeah. Relax a bit. So, yeah. yeah. Which there's, there's, I mean, it's always ironic that there, you always have a moment in the middle of a booktopia where you just want to go read because yeah. you're talking so much about books. Exactly. You know? And everybody kind of does it. I would say, um, you know, a lot of people I've talked to anyway, take a little time for themselves because, right. you, you know, we're all more on the introvert right. side of the scale, probably. So we all need that little alone time to go for a walk or go for a read or something right yeah so and that's how we met we emily and i met because of booktopia right so it is near and dear to our hearts very much so and i believe that this that author i was talking about michael crummy i believe was at that booktopia i think it was the april 2015 booktopia i'm pretty sure i might be wrong about that but yeah and speaking of reading i hope we're anticipating a snowstorm tomorrow and Um, When I was talking to Jim last night, he said, what do you want to do this weekend? And I said, I want to read in bed all weekend. And he was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we might get the chance at least tomorrow. We'll see. I'm I'm hoping for a a big, you know, get snowed in weekend. That would be fine. That would be lovely. Yes. Because like you, my I feel like my books are piling up and I just haven't been getting as much reading time as I'd like. Yeah. All right. Come on snow. Yes. All right, everybody. Happy Happy reading. reading. Thanks for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. To keep the bookish conversation going online, join our Goodreads group or connect with us on social media. If you'd like to contribute to our hunt for a good read, you can donate on Patreon. And if you have a minute to review us on whatever app you use to listen to us, we appreciate it. It can help other listeners find us. Thanks, everybody.